I'm Dave. I'm Richard. I'm Rob. This is episode 72 where we are talking about Football Crazy, the third of our ITV episodes. I'm going to start the batting here by saying I really enjoyed this one and subject to a couple of weeks time where there's another one I know that's not bad, I think this could actually be my pick of the ITV episodes. Richard, yeah. you're, lo- you're looking at me with uh, interest. I agree with you for the first half. I thought the first half of this was really, really strong. I perhaps didn't get quite as much out of the second half. I felt they exhausted the ballet tropes probably fairly early on. Okay. But I thought the first half was great. Yes, I can only echo Richard in this regard. The first portion of it up until the bit where they start doing the ballet on stage was really was pretty good actually. The best so far of what I've seen of these ITV episodes. After that, even though I am a father of dancing children, um, I didn't get much out of it at all. <laughs> The episode opens at a football match <laughs> with Bill dressed up as a football hooligan and looking kind of terrifying. Yes. Yeah, that is quite frightening. That is, is a wig he's wearing, isn't it? It is, yeah. I think. And, and that is really well done because mm. he just looks like a total yobbo. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he is shouting from the terraces as they play a game of football and the opening sequence is all about one of the football players being injured Yes. And Bill saying that he is faking it. Yes. Which moves on to the player then being taken off, the player going away in an ambulance, uh, the player having what looks like open heart surgery or something, as Bill again comes in dressed in a surgical mask. He's faking! Get up! Get up! And you notice, actually, when they go to escort Bill from the or push Bill out of the room, that's when the guy unfortunately flatlines. Yes! Uh, cut to his funeral, and as everybody walks away from the grave, again, Bill is there. Get up! Get up, you Nancy! Jumping on the grave. <laughs> you faker. Um, that was a really, really funny opening. The actual game they use in the footage is the 1976 FA Cup final between Man United and Southampton. And the player injured lying on the ground is Southampton's captain, uh, Peter Rodriguez. And that obviously wasn't a very serious injury because he did play the game out, I believe. Well, yeah, I did notice watching it that it's a bit of a small sort of tap on the shin that leads to having open heart surgery and dying. (laughs) The opening, of course, very clearly shows what this episode is going to be about. It's about football violence, football hooliganism. It's something the goodies have tapped into, this idea of sport no longer being as pure or noble as it has been in the past. We see it in uh, 2001 and a bit, sure. if you could remember back to that, or choose to. <laughs> <laughs> and again, you get the bit where they come now to the footage of the big match, where they start off with, you know, football is now unsuitable for those of a nervous disposition. And you see Tim covering the eyes of the teddy bear. <laughs> yeah, that's quite funny. Oh dear. Uh, you know, it talks about the problems that Manchester's had with their entire supporters group was arrested. It's obviously tapping into a real thing. I mean, football hooliganism was a big problem in Britain. It sort of started, I think, in the 60s. But there was actually a period in the 70s where one of the newspapers ran league tables ranked by club of the clubs that had had the most supporter incidents. Ah. And by that time, there'd been games in Europe I don't think there'd been any in Britain, but there were games in Europe where they'd actually had to deploy riot police and use tear gas Mm. and that sort of stuff. And it was primarily English fans causing the problem. Yes. Uh, Uh, They still cause problems even now. It was actually called, I think, the English disease or something, I think, Mm. there at one point. Yeah, and there have been more modern policies now where they're much more overt in terms of banning travel 
and actually you know knocking people out, which has helped a bit. Well, haven't there been stadiums where one team's supporters have been locked out completely? Yeah. Yes. Or they were doing stuff where they were channeling them in from separate sides of the ground and putting barricades between them. Go on a couple of years, there's that episode of The Bill where mm. the, one of the coppers has to infiltrate the, the hooligan gang. Yes. And then has that actually quite terrifying scene where they turn on him mm. and they basically have to kill him. Yeah. Well, and then there's another one that introduces uh, D.I. Burnside where he's... Oh, yes, he's in the song. He's, yes, he's, that's he's, true, he's actually. He's the sort of hooligan gang and they've got all the tear gas stuff and everything. Yeah. Else. Just as a serious aside, what was causing the fighting uh, in the terraces between soccer fans, do we know? When I say soccer, I obviously mean football for our English listeners. Yes, in, in Australia we call we call football soccer. Yes. Because football here means Australian rules. Is it just unemployed teenagers or older, slightly older men? Oh, no, there, there were actually professional gangs that used to mm. go around and it was about how many, you know, how many points you could rack up of people you'd maimed. Okay. Yeah. But the, what made it a uniquely... I don't know, actually. The, ...related thing to football and, say, not cricket, were they more genteel or... Yeah, well, I suppose it's a bit hard to start a fight in the cricket. I, I know there was a theory put forward that you would have 90 minutes and you'd have a nil-all draw and nothing would actually happen in the game. But the, again, with cricket, I mean, let's suppose you can play five days and have nothing happen at all. Yeah, but at least you've seen some runs and some wickets. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this is my argument against soccer. You, know, you, you can sit there and watch it for 90 minutes and no one scores. Mm. It is that sort of tribal thing, I think, around the supporters. You know, there are those chants they have where they basically denigrate the opposition team's supporters. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there's that, that thing where we're jumping ahead a bit where Tim leads that chant. All together now, we like Nottingham Forest. Arsenal are jolly good chaps. Passing up. West, West Bromwich, Albion, lovely. But we want all a load of... We'll have love. Language here. That is a parody of Liverpool FC chants, which are how much they hate the supporters of other clubs. Anyway. As the big match coverage continues, they again talk about how, for example, another team has ended their lean streak by killing the referee, mm. which again talks about all the violence. They then move on to their twerp of the month competition where they put forward three contenders to be voted on by the public for who the twerp of the month is this month and then cut to the winner of last month's who is Bill. (laughs) Yes, who incidentally was all four contenders. (laughs) (laughs) That little uh, press conference or interview, if you like, that Bill does is a wonderful send-up of every sporting code post-game interview ever where he's just sitting there spouting absolute Latitude. Yeah, you know, I just seem to be getting more right at the moment, Ken. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's been a challenge. I've enjoyed working with this team, but uh, yeah, I've got to go, I've got to go elsewhere. It's just, it's just wonderful mm. setup of those. And, and it is that thing on the player transfers. You know, he wants to go to Spain because the right police, that's a real challenge for him at this stage <laughs> yeah. of his career. Yeah. Now, the chap he's talking to, just going to the real world for a second, is Kenneth Wollstonehoe, who is quite a well known sports presenter and general presenter. Probably his most famous moment when England won the 1966 World Cup. He's the chap with the famous line, they think it's all over, it is now. And here comes Hurst, he's got some people are on the pitch, they think it's all over. It is now. In between all this, we cut back to Tim and Graham watching at home, where they reminisce about football back in the old days. It used to have a ball and players. (laughs) Yes. What what did they do? Yeah, which I guess allows them to sort of make those tropes about, you know, back in the days when it was gentle game and it was played for the love of the sport and that sort of thing. Now it's all about the violence and the nastiness and the 
whatever. Yes, the football coverage they're watching is the big match, which was London Weekend Television's main football program, uh, obviously in contrast to the BBC's match of the day. So because it's on ITV, of course, it has ads. So we cut to an ad. Yes, which is Graham advertising a new beverage. (laughs) Yeah, it is a send-up of a real ad for non-alcoholic lager, which the tagline was that it was brewed the same as natural beer, and then they take all the alcohol out. (laughs) But, of course, Graham's version is, if you think this is lager, you'd be wrong. Drains the glass. It's neat scotch. (laughs) (laughs) It just collapses forward. Yes. Yeah. Good acting. That was actually yeah. that was that was really quite funny. And they use that uh, expanding spiral to jump between the. Acres. Yes, it's the same yeah. one they used in the BBC. Yeah. Yeah. The violence at the soccer games has now got so bad that the Metropolitan Police have said they're no longer going to police the games. So what it needs is a hero who will come forward and take the job on. <laughs> this hero, of course, turns out to be. Tim. Somebody about or oh, about five foot eight and about ten and a half stone. And we get the wonderful bit where he clearly is meant to take off the jacket and hat to reveal the police uniform. It doesn't all come off quite as quickly as it should, so you get that improvisation. And it is going to be, wait for it, wait for it, it's coming, it's coming, as he takes off the scarf, tries to get the hat over the police helmet. Yes. It's quite funny. And in comes Bill the hooligan. And Bill's immediate reaction, the force! And attack. <laughs> Which Tim sidesteps as Bill puts his head through the studio wall. <laughs> which Tim then goes over and leans on as he gives his little Yes, he gives his little himself up on him, yeah. 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 We then obviously get to the bit where Tim feels... And this is sort of a throwback to the string episode, really, where we have the bit where Tim believes that the problem with the soccer violence is the sexual nature <laughs> of the players and what they wear. So they have the tight shorts and the tight revealing tops and their flowing blonde hair <laughs> exposing the napes of their necks. Yes. They no longer have collars, they have plunging necklines. <laughs> yes. which, which, you know, when you consider what AFL players are wearing nowadays with the uh, mm. shorts that barely cover anything. Mm. <laughs> the Warwick Kappa shorts. <laughs> <laughs> Fairly prophetic. <laughs> yeah, so of course his thing is, unlike the old days where they used to wear Hessian... <laughs> Hair shirts for everyone. <laughs> His plan is to revert football basically back to the 1950s. So they wear the knee-length shorts, they wear the big heavy canvas tops, and everybody's bald so they don't have the flowing hair. <laughs> so we see a match played like this. I notice here that damn is enough to get you sent off. Basically another one of their parody newsreels. Yes. Which is quite good. And you see the players playing in the bald caps and yes. all of that. God blimey, where did you get that hat, sir? <laughs> What have we here? Of course, the other part of of Tim's innovation is they're going to restrict the number of attendees to one person. Yes, and of course, while all this stuff is going on on the field, we just have the shots of Bill just going nuts in the background, like smashing beer bottles on his head. That's all very well done, too. Yes. Well, he's running up and down. That's slightly sped up. Yeah, I think so. Belting his head against the metal pole. It's almost like a mini filmed insert here. Yes. Yes. But of course, when one of the teams scores the goal, we fade back up to colour. (laughs) They all go in for their big team hugs. Yes. And suddenly are ripping off the skull caps. I wouldn't say they're quite kissing, but they're certainly... um, There's lots of hugging and cuddling going. And sort of maybe pecks on the cheek, shall we say. Yes, while, while the romantic music sort of starts to swell. And uh, the extras who are taking part in that clearly are having a lot of fun because they are clearly corpsing while they do it. Yes, and the audience <laughs> is enjoying it as well. I think yeah. the uh, grown men hugging and kissing on the field is... Uh, I'm not quite sure whether it's a novelty or not, but uh, it's something they find amusing. Uh, look, I think, I think it's a bit of a staple of a lot of football sports, that friendly pat on the cheek and the big manly hug, and yeah. Yeah, they're just taking it to the uh, absurdist extreme here. Yes, yes. And it works very well. And then Tim 
outraged by this, uh, these shows of affection, sends both sides off, which tips Bill right over the edge and he evades the pitch, only to be caught in the net and then belted over the head by Tim. End of part one. When we get back to the goodies office, Tim puts a brave face on things, but then sort of breaks down to Graham. He's very upset by how it went and nobody took him seriously and all of that. But Graham has been doing some experimenting. I was just going to say, before that, he, when he brings Bill in and says, I'll let you off with a warning, and then knees him in the groin. <laughs> <laughs> and you watch Bill's delayed reaction. He sort of does a, and then, <laughs> Which I took as a play on the yeah, I think yeah, so. football staging. Yes. The, audience, the audience, I think, certainly took it that way as yes. well. Yes, but Graham has been doing some experimenting and has put some mice through a simulated football match. <laughs> and again, it, it's just one of those lovely goodies images of Graham in a mad scientist lab coat just <laughs> playing with little white mice on a mop soccer field. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and while in the background, Bill is busily garroting the teddy bear. <laughs> the upshot of Graham's experimentation, though, is to decide that hooliganism is inborn, and while soccer is the outlet for it at the moment, if there wasn't soccer, it would basically be something else. Which I don't know how valid a theory that is, but it's the one that gets this episode moving on. And indeed, where if that's the case, then where are all the mindless hooligans and you know, mindless zombies roaming the streets looking for someone to beat up, basically? Yeah, which is a uh, little bit of signalling as Tim goes out for a quiet night at Covent Garden. Cut to Tim walking through the back streets of London in an opera cape and hat. <laughs> and he's suddenly confronted by soccer hooligans who are bloody terrifying. <laughs> yeah, that makeup is quite effective because they really have gone the sort of, you know, the sunken eyes and the yeah. sort of just, you know, mindless expressions. They're just sort of very slowly walking after him just with the football rattle. I, I got a clockwork orange vibe, though. I'm not quite sure whether that's valid or not. <laughs> no, I, I think the same thing, particularly when they do the jump cut to the very, very strong close-up of that guy's face yeah. right mm. in front of Tim. That's, that's really quite shocking. Mm. Mm. Yes, well, he does make it to the theatre, only to discover that the football fans are joining him in the box. <laughs> so we now start to get the bit where the football and the ballet are mashed up. So we have uh, Swan Lake being performed on stage. When they get to the famous Death of the Swan sequence, as the swan dies, the hooligans, Get up! Faking! Faking! Yeah, well, Tim, because they're in, he's in that group environment, you know, where they're all cheering and heckling and carrying on, he, by this point, is so riled up, yes, when the swan dies, he le immediately leaps up. Get up, you great Nancy! Faking! Faking! <laughs> he and Bill arrive back at the office together and are now uh, comradely comparing their love of ballet yeah, as if it's football. This was a quite a strange step because you sort of go from him being rolled up by the ballet to suddenly he and Bill are now just fawning ballet devotees. Though I suppose it goes back to Graham's point about the violence being inbred and mm. whatever the outlet is, it comes out regardless of football or ballet. Yes, and, they, and I look, I think that's going for a bit of the silliness here, but they now start to do the whole even more ballet as soccer stuff. and We're going to and create a team and, yeah. Yep. Uh, they have a really quite a funny joke. The uh, Rudolph and Array of Spot the Ball poster. <laughs> Tim wants to start the Cricklewood Ballet Team, to which Graham points out that everybody's doing it. There are now ballet league tables and there aren't enough ballerinas or ballet dancers in the UK left to form a team. And Tim points out that, well, they can just use unemployed footballers. Yes. So this leads us into our basically our final sequence of the episode, which is a ballet concert done as a football match, mm -hmm. on which on one side you have Aston Villa, who are all playing Romeo, 
yes. and uh, professional ballet dancers. Yes. And on the other side, Cricklewood are playing the Juliets and they're all the goodies and former footballers. Yes. I was going to say the Aston Villa team, of course, is led by the real Wayne Slate, who at that time was quite a well-known dancer. He was in the West End production of Cats at the time. Now, although they're not the real Pele and Kevin Keegan and a couple of others, they are people who are basically... Um, meant to look like them. Meant to them. look like them. And you, I mean, you can tell who Pele is. You can tell who Kevin Keegan is with the yeah. large hair. The other chap is Johan Cruyff. So it's, it's Pele, Kevin Keegan and Johan Cruyff. Who I, I must admit, he's uh, lost to my knowledge of soccer. I don't remember him. Yeah, he was a Dutch player, I think. Okay. But, I mean, Pele and Keegan are... You know, household names still in many ways. Yes. Oh, well, Pelé really was probably the most famous player in the world. Certainly at the time. Yeah, at that time. Yeah, uh, undoubtedly at that time. Well, look, I mean, we, we don't really sort of need to go through blow by blow. I actually really enjoyed this sequence. Lots of good gags about the way it's done. And Graham has that wonderful little bit of uh, physical comedy when he's doing his swan solo. And they have the whole idea of doing the penalty shootout by throwing yep. the dancers at, yeah. at the goals. Wayne, there, there's some good stuff in here. Gonna, Wayne Sleep did say Graham actually was very hard to coach because he clearly had no ballet background. But <laughs> <laughs> it was all well and good fun. Yes. Uh, and one of the highlights is, of course, the big match is now covering the ballet and it includes Graham hosting the show and interviewing two other panellists played by Graham. Yes. Very well done there. Good use of split screen. Yeah, very, very, very good use of split screen there. And uh, look, I mean, I presume they were all actual comedy. They, they are all. Brian Moore, which is the central one. Brian uh, Moore or less. Yes, was one of the hosts. The other two, I think, are based on actual presenters, yes. Yes, and there are a few digs at their expense, which even if you don't know who they are, I think anybody who's ever watched inane football special commentary <laughs> knows exactly how useless that is and can get the joke. Yes. Yeah. Well, I did have a couple of notes about the dance routine. I did quite like the bit where Wayne Sleep goes in for the jump to be caught by the players just as the referee blows half-time and he lands on the stage. <laughs> I did think that was quite funny. Yeah, that was good. I think the highlight, though, is probably Graham doing his dying swan impression. Yes. Particularly with the limp arm. And then sort of does the flutter down on the ground and something. Ugh! <laughs> <laughs> I really liked it. It ends in a ballet riot. Well, basically another fight scene. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and it's quite quick. It's quite well done. And over that, you've got the, the, uh, the commentator just sort of doing the funny old game ballet. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, cue the credits. Cue yeah. The credits. Look, I... Don't resolve from it at all. I enjoyed every part of this episode. I was mm. laughing from start to finish. I think it's quite clear. Look, look, some of it is a bit weird. I agree, Richard, the bit where they come back and they're doing their whole, oh, Madam always told us about well, one day you'd appreciate the love of ballet. That doesn't quite fit. That just felt like a bit of a jarring jump. It does, but it's funny, even if it doesn't mm. fit in. And yeah, look, um, certainly of the three ITV episodes we've looked at so far, mm. this is certainly my pick. Yeah. Um, I, I think it could end up being my pick of the series. Yeah, likewise, I'd probably go with it. Yeah, it's certainly the best of the three we've watched thus far. Only Echo, both of you. And that brings us back to Echo, a point I made two episodes ago when we said it was an interesting creative choice that they opened with Snow White 2. I personally, looking back, if you could, would open with this because it is not just very funny, but it is a very familiar goodies episode. You see the goodies being goodies, they're in the office. Yeah. Graham gets to do some Graming, Tim gets to do some Timming. Bill gets to be Bill all in different ways. Mm. But if this was the first episode I saw on ITV back in 1981, I would feel this was familiar and good mm. and, and want to go on. I think this should have been the opening episode. Mm. Richard, you've got a couple of general points. Two final points just to finish up with. The idea of the sports reporters covering Swan Lake, that is a, a reuse from, sorry, I'll read that again. Now, there was actually also a scene cut from here and it wasn't censored by ITV. It was actually taken out by the goodies themselves where the hooligan Bill uh, actually goes for three policemen 
and they felt that was probably just taking that a bit too far, considering their whole point with this episode was to show the hooligans as being <laughs> stupid and pointless. Yeah, pointless and, and you know, nihilist. Yeah, basically. So they felt that was really a step too far. Okay, we'll move on then to our regular segments, tropes. Uh, I don't actually have anything really for this. I can't think of anything personally. None of their really regular targets. I would say it's not a trope so much as a theme, but the idea of sport having to generate just violence mm. has been done a couple of times. They did it with cricket, for example, in 2001. Yeah. And, and some of that does feel like a bit of a lift. So. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll count as I mean, I guess you have Graham doing sort of, yeah, going his loony scientist routine when he's with the mice. But really, I mean, again, a lot of the regular targets and that really aren't... No. Not, no, aren't in this. What couldn't you get away with today? I, I had two. There's the bit at the start where Bill is with the injured soccer player. He actually calls him a great poof. Yes. Which you wouldn't be able to do. And Tim also says when he's uh, being the policeman calls the current players Nancy Woofters. Yes. Uh, which I don't think you could do either of those now. No. No. I don't think any of the ITV ones were cut here. Like, or certainly if they were, it would have been to put ads in, not for... Um, content. Not for content. Well, they only run in 25 minutes because they're, ma- they're making yeah, commercial. Yeah, they, they are. We'll move on to our favourite gags, but I just want to mention as well, once again, the money seems to be on show here. Like, for example, mm. you have that entire surgery gag where they've set up a number of extras. They've got the costumes, they've got the surgery stuff. Mm. That's done for a 30 second gag. There's a number of times throughout where you actually see stuff that would have cost a bit of money to do for one gag. Yeah. And so you do actually see, again, the, the money on display. But our favourite gags, Richard. I've got two possibles. I'll give an honourable mention to when Tim and Graham are talking and Bill's in the background just garroting the bear with the <laughs> scarf. I did actually think that was quite an amusing shot. But I'm actually going to go with Graham's fake lager ad. Um, I actually thought it was really funny. And probably because I didn't remember seeing it from years ago, so when I watched it, that really did take me by surprise. Yeah, well, me too. That surprised me. It was very good, Rob. Yeah, I'll echo I'll look Richard. That was the funniest point of the, uh, the episode for me. I'm going to go for the opening sequence, particularly the bit at the grave. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because it, it is the classic escalation of a gag to yep. the absurd, and it works very well. Yep. They do exactly the right number of iterations for it to stay funny. Yeah, and I, I will actually put a shout out. I actually thought Bill as a soccer hooligan, that was really, really well done. It's a point we've mentioned a few times over the last 70 episodes. When Bill is given a a meaty, substantive role, he actually really delivers. And we'll talk about this in a few weeks' time when we actually get to our wrap-up episodes. Mm. But I think that Bill, perhaps in this, we see how underused the Bill has been. Well, I think we've all enjoyed that one, and we will be back next week with Bigfoot. But on your way to discover Arthur C. Clarke, maybe you'll take a walk in the Black Forest. You've been listening to the Goodies Pirate Podcast, the Australian podcast that puts the good in goodies. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please do leave us a review on iTunes. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode or your thoughts on upcoming episodes. So please drop us a line by email at pirategoodiespc at gmail.com. Send us a tweet at at pirategoodiespc or find us on Facebook at facebook.com stroke pirategoodiespc. Goodies, goody, goody, yum, yum. just heard that you've asked for a transfer, is that true? Yeah, that is true, Kenny Fletcher. I think, really, I've got to go to Spain. (laughs) It's more of a challenge there, you know, because the police say they've got these riot shields and masks and guns and all. It's all to get a more skillful thing. This stage in my career, I really fancy having a go at that, you know. It's been good to me here, but there you go.